If you know anything about this passage, you know we're entering into deep waters. But it's also clearer than we might think. There is an interpretation that I'm going to give to you. It's not the only interpretation that has been given in the history of the church. But it's important that we pay attention to the language here. Uh, Virtually every word in verse 19 has been taken in different directions. But I want us to see how this uh, sentence here follows from verse 18 that we saw last time. Last time we were looking at the fact that Jesus Christ died and was raised. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And then verse 19 starts, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. So what's in view here is uh, something that took place uh, by the Spirit. And he refers to Jesus Christ. That's uh, clear from this, from this passage. Uh, speaking of Jesus Christ going and preaching to the spirits in prison. Now when could that be? Well, the verse 20 tells us, that it's in the days of Noah. This is when Jesus Christ went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, immediately, uh, you might think, well, you know, Jesus Christ didn't come until uh, the uh, incarnation of Jesus Christ. And there's uh, an interpreter in the history of the church who said that it was the pre-existent Christ who preached. And we don't agree with that. That was Augustine. But there's something else going on here that we need to understand. It's the uh, present Lord Jesus Christ who has been raised. He's been made alive by the Spirit, verse 18 says. And if we go on in our passage, we see that he has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. So there's a proclamation of Jesus Christ after his resurrection by the Spirit to the spirits in prison. Now we come into other interpretations, people that uh, want to uh, look at that language and they say spirits, that refers to evil beings. It refers to fallen angels. It doesn't refer to human beings. But there are passages uh, where the uh, word of God refers to uh, those who are beyond the grave as being spirits. One of them is Hebrews uh, 12 and uh, verse 23, which speaks of God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. That's referring to people after death who are in the presence of God. Spirits of just men, those who who are believers in Jesus Christ, made perfect in their spirits. They're not yet reunited with their bodies. So if we're talking about the current state of these spirits, if we're talking about where they are now, we realize that we're talking about those who rejected the Lord Jesus Christ when he preached to them in the days of Noah, and they are now in prison. They're in prison, which is uh, the suffering of being separated from God. How do we know this? Because it says that they formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. It's speaking of a time when there was patience from God in the days of Noah, when God was being patient with mankind. He was waiting for the the time when he would judge them. And before that time came, he provided for them a message to believe. 
a message that they were to obey. And it says they were disobedient. Now, in other places in First uh, Peter, the language of being disobedient uh, is, is quite important. It's, it speaks um, of those who were disobedient in uh, significant ways. As, as we uh, look at First uh, Peter 2 and verse 8, speaking of those who stumble, and it says they stumble being disobedient to the word. Disobedient to the word. Disobedient to the message that they had received. This is the uh, language of people rejecting the message that they have been given. Rejecting the message that comes as if you uh, are seeing this interpretation, if you're seeing how this, this is understood by the Lord Jesus Christ, ra- raised and given the Spirit and now preaching to those uh, who were there in the time of, of Noah, those who would be disobedient. I might say, well, um, I don't think that people really got that kind of message from the Lord Jesus Christ until Jesus Christ came, until the, the book of Acts, until this time when we live. But how did believers come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? How was it that, that people put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we not recognize that the triune God is eternal? Do we not recognize that the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ could be applied in the past? That it was applied by the work of the Spirit. How does someone come to faith in Jesus Christ? And how does someone uh, rightly be judged? How is someone rightly judged when they reject Jesus Christ? The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen one, uh, is the means by which the Lord Jesus Christ preached through Noah. Now, if we look at Second uh, Peter uh, 2, verse 5, we, we see something about Noah in the time in which uh, he lived. Second Peter 2, verse 5, says that Noah was saved as one of eight people, and it calls him a preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness, bringing uh, as uh, God was bringing in a flood on the world of the ungodly. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, not everyone, obviously, turned. In fact, only eight souls were saved. But that doesn't mean that they did not receive the message. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in that passage that we just read in Matthew 24, ties the days of Noah to the coming of the Son of Man. There is a a time in which the Son of Man will come, and it will be like the days before the flood. And people are eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, he says, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. And then he says, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, this time, this flood that was given as a judgment of God, as a rejection of the message of Jesus Christ, is a picture of the arrival of Jesus Christ at the end of the age. We get that. As well, if we look at the context of 2 Peter 3, the 2 Peter 3 tells us a whole lot about what's happening in our own day. Uh, he speaks of scoffers coming in the last days, uh, 2 Peter 3 and verse, uh, let me find it, 2, walking according to their own lusts, verse 3, 
walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Notice what's being said. The world that then existed perished. It was flooded with water. That was the flood. That was a judgment uh, on the people of Noah's day. That was a judgment on those who rejected the message that was given uh, by the activity of the Lord Jesus Christ through Noah, this preacher of righteousness. And now, Second uh, Peter 3 says, The heavens and earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In other words, there was a judgment by water, and now there's a judgment by fire. There's a judgment that is to come. And Jesus Christ is saying that's the coming of the Son of Man in Matthew 24. And 2 Peter 3 says that this is judgment by fire, a day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ are waiting for this to arrive. They do not realize it. They do not prepare for it, just as those in the time of Noah did not prepare. And yet they are being told, we are being told, that they were disobedient. In other words, they rejected the word. They rejected the message of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, applied to them back then in the days of Noah. Now you must know that there are other interpretations in the history of the church. Here are some of them. Uh, some people would say, uh, Catholic Church would say, uh, Psalm 16 speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ descending to Sheol. Or, as our uh, one creed goes, descending into hell. And they would say, uh, Jesus Christ went down into the underworld, he went down into the netherworld, and he preached to the Old Testament saints that it was a time of the fulfillment of everything that they were looking forward to. Looking forward to. In other words, they were in the underworld waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and preach to them. Now, you know from other passages of Scripture that the Lord Jesus Christ is with his people immediately after they die. He says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, uh, Paul says in Philippians that he desires to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. In his spirit, not in his body, but he's going to be with Christ. There's not a time where the Old Testament saints were waiting and they're looking forward to that time when, when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come down to their netherworld, to, to Sheol, and, and release them. Some would also like to point to other passages in Scripture that speak of uh, the uh, fallen angels. Uh, they will point uh, often to Genesis chapter 6. And in Genesis chapter 6, uh, there is uh, this... Uh, Speaking of uh, the Lord, when he says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Listen to that. My spirit will not strive for, with man forever. Not talking about evil angels. Not talking about fallen angels. Talking about man. Talking about those who are waiting for the, the flood to come, who are rejecting God. And again and again, it says in this passage that he uh, was sorry that he made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart. And he says that he will send the flood on men. Men and women and boys and girls. That's a very sobering reality. 
In fact, there's a lot of people who would like to, to take a passage like this and, and say, well, you know, I don't understand this, and it, it probably means I should just throw out the Bible. Because I don't understand any of this stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why would a God do something like that? Forget it. Just stop reading that stuff. You're being brainwashed. That's what they will say to you. Unless it's true. Unless it's true. In which case, you need to be warned. In which case, you need to hear the message that there has already been a judgment by water that destroyed the world that then existed, and now there's a judgment by fire coming. And if the Lord Jesus Christ is right in what he says in Matthew 24, it's going to be a surprise. It's not going to be something that you're looking uh, looking for, that you can see all the signs for and, and predict. It's something that's going to happen suddenly. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. In fact, he says it this way in uh, Matthew 24, that passage that we just read in verse uh, 43. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He's saying to be ready because it's going to come in an unexpected way. Be ready, he says. Well, how are you to be ready? Well, first of all, we have to consider what we were told in verse 18. We're about to take the supper, and we have to meditate upon the work of Jesus Christ. This is how uh, we prevent ourselves from being disobedient to the word. This is how we prevent ourselves from following this path that those uh, who were rejecting the message in the days of Noah um, followed. We have to remember that Christ suffered once for sins. The just for the unjust. We saw last time that that's one sacrificing himself for the many. We saw that that's one righteous one who's acceptable before God on behalf of the many. And that was designed specifically to bring us to God. And it was based upon his death in the flesh and his uh, resurrection being made alive by the Spirit. Notice the connection. He's made alive by the Spirit. It's not as though uh, we're talking about, well, he, he was raised, and then at, at some time, uh, maybe in the past, uh, way before all of this happened, he went and preached to the spirits in prison. No, it's, it's happening as a consequence of the completion of his work by being made alive by the Spirit, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, going and preaching to the spirits in prison, those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's speaking of their, their condition now uh, as spirits, and it's speaking of them uh, as, as uh, they were before, who were formerly disobedient in a time when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. When God sends you a message through the power of the Spirit, through the Lord Jesus Christ, when He shows you that you are in need of the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many other people agree with you. It doesn't matter how many other people uh, are on your side. In the time of Noah, there were eight that were saved through water. And they are enshrined in Scripture because they are those who trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want many to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want many to trust in Him. 
But we know that there are those who will not accept the word. Uh, this passage calls them those who were disobedient formerly. Jesus Christ speaks of two men being in the field, one taken and the other left. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken and the other left. And he says, watch, you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And so the Lord Jesus Christ gives us uh, this understanding uh, of what we are to do. In the time of Pentecost, when the Spirit was being poured out, uh, the people who were convicted by the Spirit-filled preaching of Peter asked what they should do because they were, they were convicted by the Spirit of their sin. And he said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you receive, shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was the reason why they said that? What was the reason why uh, they were convicted? It's because they realized, uh, as he was preaching to them, that they needed Jesus Christ. And verse 40 goes on to say that with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Suddenly they realized that they were part of a group of people who had turned away from the living God. They were part of a group of people that were under God's judgment to come. It was just around the corner. And they realized that. And they turned to Jesus Christ. They gladly received His Word. They were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added. On that day, 3,000 souls were added. At the time of the flood, 8 souls were saved. God is the one who saves. He makes it quite clear. And we need to recognize that it is up to us to trust in Jesus Christ, to listen to his words, and to heed the word that's been given to us. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you tell us in 1 Peter 4, verse 6, that uh, because you are ready to judge the living and the dead, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. And we recognize that that does not mean that the gospel was preached to those who were not alive, but it was preached to them when they were alive, before they were dead. And Father, we recognize that you give this opportunity to men and women and boys and girls today, that you are giving us this opportunity even now to hear the message of the work of Jesus Christ, the risen one, a one who has been given the Spirit, a Spirit that is so powerful that you are able to communicate uh, to those who would not trust in Him in the Old Covenant back in the time of Noah and also to those who would be saved. That it's through the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, communicated by Christ Himself, by the Spirit, that men and women and boys and girls are saved. And we believe that. We believe that and we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would grant to us that we would recognize that it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that we are able to be submitted to you, uh, brought to you by him, by his high priestly work. It's through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have confidence and hope. It's through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have all of these privileges that have been outlined for us in First Peter but Father, we ask that you would help us not to look around, not to gauge 
a trust in Jesus Christ on the basis of numbers, on the basis of how many people are around us saying the same thing. At one time, eight souls were saved. At another time, 3,000 were saved. It is your work of salvation. And we ask that you would help us at Christ Church Vanguard Presbytery to remember that there is a judgment to come, that there is a judgment around the corner, the coming of the Son of Man, and people will be taken by surprise. So teach us to be diligent in communicating the clear gospel message that you teach us in your word. And we thank you for the encouraging testimony of your word that you communicated the truth to those who were in the days of Noah. That you do not suddenly bring the flood upon them without communicating to them through Noah, through Christ speaking through Noah, that they needed to repent. And Father, it's even more clear today It's even more clear now that we have the New Testament. We have the words of Jesus Christ Himself. We have the message of the Gospel fully explained to us in the Scriptures. We ask, Heavenly Father, that You would grant to us that we would trust in You completely, that we would entrust our souls to You, and that we would take the supper as those who are being saved from fire. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.